What's up, everybody? What the hell might be happening over there in your place? Thanks for tuning in to the Crash Bang Boom podcast. Today's guest is drummer Noah C. of UK's Conjurer. Noah and I get into how he joined the band, his favorite spots for playing in the UK slash Europe, uh, experiencing longer drives in the States while on tour, the hardcore scene he grew up in, upcoming dates, and he even schools me a little on drinking culture in England. So I hope y'all enjoyed the chat. Tour dates for the rest of the year can be found at ConjurerUK.com, some of which are with Swiss band Nostromo, I hope I pronounced that correctly, who is sick as hell if you haven't heard them, and those shows are between UK, Belgium, and the Netherlands starting September 28th. Today's episode is sponsored by my man Carson Gant, a.k.a. OneUpLoops.com. Carson and his team spent a preposterous amount of time recording over 430 shaker tambourine and hi-hat loops at every possible tempo and multiple feels with incredible mics and outboard gear for you to pick and choose. It's organized for you to find exactly what you need with just a few clicks and everything feels... You can sign up for free to check it out and gain full access to all 430-plus loops starting at just $6 a month. No download limits, whatever you want, whenever you want. New loops, one-shots, and drum breaks are being added weekly. And as someone who's used it myself, I can vouch for it. Check it out at oneuploops.com. Crash Bang Boom Podcast can be found on iTunes, Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Luminary, Google Play, Podbean, and Amazon Music Podcast, to name a few. Feel free to check out any of the previous 260-plus episodes or give me a like, a subscription, and or a positive review as it is appreciated. All right, here we go. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Crash Bang Boom. All right, I'm here with Noah C. of Conjurer, straight out of the UK. Noah, what's going on, man? Thanks for for rapping with me today. All good, man. All good. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. I know. It's 10 a.m. I slept in a little bit today because I'm off this week, and you're looking kind of chipper, and like you, you've uh, you've done your day already, and I'm over here looking like I I was did a power drinking episode last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I might have done a power drinking episode myself yesterday, but yeah, I've had enough of the day to get through it, but... Uh, yeah, it's about 3, 3 p.m. here, so yeah, kind of mid-afternoon, which is nice, nice vibes. When I think of drinking in England, and by the way, I haven't been there. My European excursions have been, let's see, France, Germany, and the Czech Republic, but I haven't done the England, Scotland, Ireland, that area, although I definitely want to. But is it like, is it pints in England, and like, are they semi-room temperature? Do y'all drink them cold? How, do, how does it work <laughs> there? What, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty in terms of the actual drinks and stuff. It's pretty pretty similar to the states. A lot of pints, yeah. Um, but I think it's it's kind of a, a national sport here. I think to drink. But That's um, my understanding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's taken very very seriously. In terms of temperature, it's all it's pretty chill, pretty chill. I mean, we have got ales. Ales are pretty warm. Right. Um, and then you got lagers and pilsners and stuff as well. So. Right. Yeah, not so much not so much ale. I saw out in in the states, but. Um, yeah, it's all it's all pretty. I mean, I'd say it's pretty normal because you know I've grown up with it. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've got um, we've got this this kind of brand um, out here called Weatherspoons. Mm-hmm. It's great if you're really young because it's cheap. You know, you get a pint a pint for six or seven pounds. But right, um, it's not great for the the pub economy in the UK. But um, yeah, they seem to. I think their trick is uh, ordering beer that's pretty much on its sell by. And then 
serving it extremely cold so that you can't taste correct how kind of awful it is so yeah that might be yeah that might be where that comes from so they have a version uh uh they do that here in the states as well where at least one bar in particular that i could think of uh when it's about to go they just call it the they name it after the bar and fill in the blank ale and that's what it is it's like bud light or some you know light beer that's like about to go bad Nice. But to your point. I mean, point, that's better. Yeah, yeah. You serve it cold enough, I suppose you'd think about it certainly less, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's nice if well, that bar, they're advertising that it is going out. So, you right. Know, if, you, if you're up for it, then go for it. But this, <laughs> I think the Weatherspoon's way is just kind of hush hush. Here we oh, go. Interesting. You know, yeah. Yeah. We'll uh, serve this to them, but it's cheap. Are the Guinness like room temperature? Because we drink them cold in the States. Yeah, we got we got extra cold. I think yeah, I think most pubs serve extra cold. Guinness, nice. Which is nice. Hell yeah. yeah. Right on, man. Well, I was thinking about the first time that I kind of became aware of Conjurer. I had a couple of buddies show up to a pretty stacked bill when Conjurer came in, to my understanding, before your time and played the Brooklyn Bazaar in Brooklyn, a venue that's no longer there. Uh, but it was this two double floor. They even had shows down in the basement. It was this big, like, it was like a big banquet hall that they turned into, like, this kind of multi-level, like, you know, venue. I honestly, I missed Conjurer because it was such a stacked bill. I saw Psychropic, Voivod, and then Revocation. And uh, so I had just missed y'all. And um, uh, it, the name is stuck around in kind of in my head because my buddies that were there said y'all were great. And then I checked y'all out and then I had an awareness of you. But um, most recently, I guess, what if Conjurer's done three runs in the States over here, you did the most recent one. What, tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah, the recent one was with Chemis. Um, mm-hmm. Chemist and Wake from Canada opening. Yep. So that was a great bill because it was the first time we'd been out. Well, it's the first time we've been out with, with me, so with the new lineup, and the first time promoting the latest album, uh, Pathos. Yes. And I think it was on Chemist's uh, album promotion tour as well. Okay. So for The Deceiver, I think it was. So um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a great, and Wake as well, actually, thinking about it. We're all out there promoting new, new material and. Nice. It was just a great vibe. Everyone was really nice. And it was, a, I think, I mean, obviously, like I say, I wasn't on the previous two tours, but the ones before were with Revocation, as you said, and Rivers of Nile before that, mm-hmm. which are all quite technical death metal lineups. Right. It's great for the band in Condra to kind of stand out on that bill. But I yeah. think with this, this time around with Chemist, it kind of felt like, cool, if we put on a good set, everyone that enjoys Chemist and wake is going to enjoy us so right it was a bit more, a bit more like playing to a home crowd in that sense so yeah it was a really 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 great tour really great experience so where do you where were some of the cities or what area did y'all hit on that run uh yes yeah, so we got we started kind of the um northeast okay um, kind of philly mm-hmm. we basically went down the east coast yep. along through texas and then up up oh, wow. the west coast for Damn. Like Portland and Seattle and ended oh, wow. in is it Vancouver? Like at the yeah. top of Yeah. So it was it's quite a long haul. I was about to say, how long was that tour? It was about about a month, yeah. Three, three and a half weeks, four weeks. So yeah, great way to see the see the country as well. Oh yeah. I mean it's so spread out whenever it's it's I love going to Europe and just being like, Oh, we're already in another country. And I mean, you know, things change uh geographically, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, there's a lot of like just sort of generic sort of nondescript cities in between some of the bigger ones, or maybe there's rural areas that, you know, have a particular geography. I lived in Utah for a little while and 
that's like a bizarre desert Mars face. Uh, it's it's just such a bizarre place. And now I'm in Georgia, so it's like more rolling hills. Uh, and we just went up into the Smoky Mountains, which are four hours from here. Wow. So we've been mixing it up and being able to do fun little trips. Uh, but I grew up in the South, and it definitely takes a while. Like New Orleans is seven hours south of here. So we just got to blast the straight seven hours. But whenever I talk to like Europeans and uh, y'all are like, what? You drove how long? You know, <laughs> it's an American thing. The thing that shocks me is is that when people go, or even if you go to a gig and you have a fan and it's, it's oh, this is like our local city or our local town. And it's a three hour drive from right. where we live. And it's like, Three hours from me would take me up to the Midlands. You know, I go, I go past three or four cities on the way up. Um, right. So it's kind of crazy, but it's great because it puts puts everything into perspective in terms of traveling around right. this country. Like, like you say, you know, we we just did did a, a a couple of weekend runs of kind of smaller towns in the UK, and yeah, the drives are like cool. We've got an hour and a half to get to the next venue. That's amazing. This is great. Yeah, really, really cool. Loading's not until three, half three, so it's like decent. Whereas on the US tour, we we were driving ourselves between the four of us, and it was a case of, cool, 8 a.m. Or we'd drive, yeah, we would drive after the show, maybe an hour or two, stay in a Walmart car park, and then whoever was driving the next morning would get up at eight, right? get, get some snacks, get some drinks, and then continue on the drive for another five hours to the next town or whatever it was totally so it's quite quite grueling but it, it makes you appreciate late uh, late mornings and stuff on tour oh for sure and especially if you you said y'all went through like some areas of texas yeah yeah i mean that was kind of a blur for us we had the transport we had the ac broke while oh. we were in texas it, was it during the summer it was yeah, it was during May, middle of May. So, oh, okay, not full blown, um, but not full blown, but yeah, hot for yeah. for a, a white English boy like me, it was pretty <laughs> pretty horrible. So that was kind of a psychedelic sweat fest <laughs> going through Texas, but um, oh my yeah, god, think, yeah, we hit up Dallas and did you do Austin, Austin or Houston? Austin as well, yeah, I think it was Austin. So nice, yeah, it was cool. It was cool experience. Texas is a trip because I've driven across it a couple times, and unlike the other states, it can take you a long time. If you're doing, doing south to north California, it'll take forever, but getting across Texas is trippy uh, just because it does start to feel like, wait, I feel like we should be out of this fucking state already, and you're just not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, it's so open. Yes, like, exactly. You'll get on a road, and you'll go, cool, well, there's a town that looks <laughs> like it's about a half-hour drive in front of us uh -huh. and then you'll get an hour and a half in and you're just still not there and it's like <laughs> what's going on is this thing even moving you know right right so did the the tour ended in portland it ended in yeah we did I'm or vancouver probably if you went up vancouver yeah so we did uh chemists and us we did a festival in vancouver on the last day which was uh, modified ghost fest which was cool really great so nice um yeah, that stint was really nice. Kind of Seattle, Portland, and then yeah. and then up to Vancouver was really really nice. Totally, totally. Did y'all fly out of Canada? No, we flew out of out of Seattle. So our um, okay, our, one of our vocalists, guitarist Brady, his uh, in laws, they all live in in Portland. Okay, around Portland and Seattle area. So between that kind of those four or five shows, we were kind of driving up and then back down and like staying with I see with his extended family. So 
it was quite nice. Yeah, we flew. So we flew into to Philly on the east and then flew out of Seattle. Damn. And y'all were able to get a van, a van rental to take you all the way up over there and leave it out in out there. Yeah, I can't I divulge too much because the, <laughs> okay. the company we rented from uh, particularly ran out to bands. So they can't. Oh, hush, hush oh I see. Okay, um, gotcha. Good call. All right, right on. I don't, I don't think any of them would be listening to this, but <laughs> on the off chance. No. Right. Fair enough, man. Uh, question about uh, Pathos. Well, I guess when did you join the band then? Was it just prior to that record, pretty much? It was yeah. It's it's prior just to the release of it. So gotcha. It was tracked during the pandemic, and then I started doing session work for the guys just after the kind of restrictions lifted in the UK to do shows, which was late 2021, I believe. So right. they had the album ready to go, and then it didn't it didn't come out until the following July, I think it was, the following June. So okay. Um, yeah. So it was all kind of good and ready to go, but the guys were just like sitting on it. I think a big part of that was obviously touring and then uh, production of LPs and things like that. Right. Because as far as I'm aware, I think it's the bigger labels were ordering so much vinyl over the pandemic for the huge artists so they could keep selling over the pandemic. Right. And it just made the, just made the queue for kind of vinyl pressing just insanely long. Absolutely. And yeah. And for the guys, I think that's such a big, well, for all of us as well, it's such a big aspect is getting an album on release day of vinyl and being able to kind of listen to it in full and go through all the the gatefolds and things like that so absolutely yeah no i get it man that's a common theme amongst bands a lot of bands were looking at doing something in 2020 and then you know obviously if if touring isn't happening and you're not gonna be able to tour to support it then then everything gets postponed then on top of the log jam that happened in the vinyl industry it just yeah I've i've talked to people that were like had had recorded it, uh, stuff in like 2019 had it pretty much ready to go thinking all right you know like summer of 2020 and then it's like oh well maybe we'll have to regroup in 2022 <laughs> you know yeah yeah it, well it's I, wild. I thought it was just going to be like six months or something and then yeah we'll be back to it absolutely there you go i know right unbelievable well question i know again this is prior to you but the the uh the record that conjurer did with pigeon What's the story with that as far as whatever uh, you know with, I guess, the origins of it and how even who's playing what and what's going on with that record? Because I dig it. I just don't know much about it. Yeah. Yeah. So the the Curse These curse these Metal Hands yes. record with uh, with Pine, I think. Is oh, it's Pine? It's, it's not Pigeon? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Soft, yeah. Honestly, I was the same. I was like, Pigeon? What a rubbish band name. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, a Dutch word potentially. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I think this was even before. It might even be before Connor's time as well. But um, basically, from our from our lights, Brady and Dan, the two guitarist uh, singers, okay, uh, collaborating with Joe from Pine and a few other members from Pine at the time. Yeah, just kind of doing some Baroness Baroness ripoffs. Right, uh, was the was the vibe there? But, I know it's um, cool though. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. It's it's a funny one because. It always kind of crops up, even like on the on the tour we did with Chemist, we had people screaming for us to play right. High Spirits or, or uh-huh. Sunday or anything, and it's like, I'm so sorry, it's just not not that bad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, that stuff's really cool, and I think it's great because because from obviously I haven't worked with with Joe, but Joe and and Dan from from Condor are very very creative people, so it's great for 
Dan in particular to have an outlet for some of their other inspirations that might not necessarily be appropriate maybe for Conjurer. Right. So it's, it's kind of great to do that. And also it's just like a bit of fun really for those guys. Mm -hmm. We had a festival in August here in, in, in Bristol called Arc Tangent mm -hmm. and it's um, kind of a prog uh, math rock kind of extreme metal festival mm -hmm. um, and they did the Curse These Metal Hands gig with a new song that Dan had written or the guys had all written even but um, yeah it just seemed to kind of radiate just like mates having fun nothing too serious nothing too stressful right I think, yeah, Jan, the previous Condra drummer even came out and did a little banjo solo. Okay. So it was, um, yeah, it's just like, right, let's see what wacky stuff we can get on here. Yeah. Which, not to to say that Jan might not do a banjo solo on a Condra album, but I think that's probably the place for that kind of stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's, uh, it's kind of a, not a love-hate, but when someone asks you to play stuff from that, it's like, really appreciate that you love that and that's part of the conjurer uh -huh. story but um hard to execute live <laughs> yeah we're really going to disappoint you i'm afraid so here's some <laughs> grotesque heavy stuff instead right speaking of grotesque heavy stuff where are there any venues in the england area uk area broad broadly speaking um that are kind of like a home base for y'all yeah it's it's a tough one because um the band, the band was originally formed in Rugby, which is just kind of the Midlands area, just outside Birmingham a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so their kind of formative years were spent in Rugby, Northampton. Uh, I'd say, yeah, Road Mender in Northampton is kind of a band home. You know, the guys have all played that venue. And I myself now have played it a few times with those guys. So it's, it's kind of a cool home base in terms of venues. But... Uh, yeah, we're all kind of across the country now. Like Brady and myself live in London. Connor lives up in Leicester, which is a little bit further. Mm -hmm. Dan's, Dan's still around rugby. So, um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, for me personally, we did we did uh, our last kind of London headline at the Dome in Tufnell Park, which is North London, mm -hmm. which is, A, it was a really special gig um, because so many friends and family were we're down for that one. Nice. But um, yeah, it's one of those ones I've seen loads of bands play there. So it's I played there a couple of times myself, but that that particular show was a really, really special one. Apart from the rest of those guys, I feel a little separated, but right. they've, they've kind of come up in their local scene and I've come up in a, in a far different local scene. Yeah. Are there any areas outside of England, just in Europe in general, that uh, be it festivals that are uh, that maybe cater towards heavier music like this, or even not, just even a surprise place that uh, maybe you didn't expect that has that the band's been pretty well received? Yeah, uh, it's funny you say festivals actually, because I'm just going to backtrack now. That yeah, Arc Tangent, uh, Arc Tangent Festival in Bristol, uh, between that and maybe Damnation up in, I think it was Leeds in Manchester now. Uh huh those two arc tangent in particular is kind of like Condra fest it's great really yeah it's it's amazing because the band have played there i think we've done it like five or six times now at this point and played every single stage oh wow um growing up the festival and, and we'll turn up and it's like cool on the first hour that we we rock up to the festival we'll probably see like 20 to 30 Condra t-shirts damn just rocking around 
yeah it's pretty pretty special and we did we did an underplay show there on the wednesday so before the festival had actually started and that was really cool because it was everyone that was at the festival was just at our set yeah so yeah in terms of uk fests that's definitely a home home for the band um nice outside of the uk we did a european tour with celeste early in 2022 mm -hmm. yeah, french black metal band so i think by proxy uh leon and that area where they're from has kind of become i think it's kind of rubbed off on us a little bit because we played with them in their hometown right that's kind of a cool one to go to because yeah because we did france with them it's mm -hmm. kind of now become a good spot for us to do right well you mentioned sort of the scene that you grew up in and then sort of the other scenes that the present conjurer guys kind of grew up in what was the scene like uh and sort of what era are we talking about that you grew up in and then is that ultimately what led you to join in conjurer did y'all did your band and conjurer play a, a gig together at some point or yeah so um my local scene from being a kid i mean uh before playing in bands i'd always go to see there's there's kind of some real great local uh, kind of hardcore was like a big thing mm -hmm. it was probably around the time when bands like gallows were really big and things like uh -huh. that uh in the uk uh so you know bands like polar who i ended up playing drums for as well actually um palm reader employed to serve they were all kind of from my area in surrey oh interesting okay yeah, going to go and see those those bands quite regularly was always really cool. But beyond that, I, I ended up joining a few bands kind of further afield in London and yeah, just outside of Surrey. Mm -hmm. uh, and one in particular was a band called Chapters, who are now two members of which are now an urn. But yeah, kind of played with those guys for a few years. And we did some touring, I think it was back in 2015. And we played in a town called Milton Keynes, which is quite close to rugby in Northampton and where those, those guys are from ah. and Condra were the local openers on this tour and everyone's just like jaws hit the floor. Like what the fuck is this? <laughs> I think it was their second show as well. Like the first time we saw them. Damn. And it was like, what the fuck is this? Like <laughs> this is heavy as fuck. This yeah. is really, really heavy. And yeah, kind of got to meet, meet Brady and, and a, a couple of the other guys. And then, kind of kept in touch loosely and i think during the pandemic i think the situation you know for them looking for a drummer came up and because i'd been in that previous band that's quite a technical band um, and we're still touring with other bands and kind of still being active mm -hmm. i think they kind of saw that as right this is someone for for consideration really right i mean when you write music that's that intense like conjurer's music is it kind of narrows the field a little bit as to like who you can get <laughs> yeah drumming wise especially for a small a small country like the uk mm -hmm. so nice to think that if if they've narrowed the field of who can play drums for them that i'm still considered for that right totally but, um yeah it's one of those things i always find with with joining bands and playing with bands it's you know it's always years years after you know it's very seldom is it Oh, I've just met this person, and then next right. week they've given me all this, <laughs> all this work, or, or asked me to be in their band or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, it's it's kind of that that same old thing of, you know, you meet someone, you go your separate ways, and then four or five years later, you get a message. 
Right. When you joined the band, did it, were there any sort of technical hurdles? I mean, you mentioned that you were playing in a technical band previously, but sometimes, you know, some aspects of the music can be just a little foreign to you or a certain drum approach or orchestration, learning somebody else's material, interjecting sort of your own style into it. Was that a whole process? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. First and foremost, I'd been a big fan of at the time, it was obviously the EP and then Maya, the first album, uh, was out. And I was a big fan of the band anyway. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like since seeing them from that from that local opener slot, right. to seeing them grow across the UK, didn't feel like it was my band, but it was like, cool, I've seen these guys go from that to this big proper band, really. So, yeah, knowing the material ahead of time was really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a tough one because there's kind of layers to a lot of the drumming that Jan had written. Right. Um, I was trying to write down and make notes and all these kind of things. And a lot of the time it's like, if you just know the riff, you know, the part, yeah, that's going to do 80% of the work for you, which is, I guess, well, that's a great thing. That means it's good, yeah. good drum parts because it fits the music. Mm-hmm. But um, I knew ahead of time that, because actually on that Revo tour that they did, they had a fill-in drummer oh. and they've had a few, a few different fill-in drummers over the years. And Brady had mentioned that it's the small, really small, minute details that people weren't really catching. Right. And that was really, really important to them because that's what made Jan's parts so exciting. You know, mm-hmm. there's kind of layers to it. There's the stuff that's really obviously going to support the riffs and the music. And then there's the little accents that kind of make it a little more interesting. So, sure. Yeah, that was kind of the hardest stuff. And like you say, if, if they got, even if they got a different setup to you, right. I find it interesting learning someone else's parts because you kind of get to see what their influences are and sure try and channel those a little bit but i mean at this point playing with the band nearly two years now i'm probably playing it completely different at this point i know right (laughs) yeah just like oh i'll add this and then i'll add this and i'll add this and then you listen back to the album and it's like i'm just doing something else right it's not what i was learning originally yeah Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's the way it evolves. I've gotten into bands as well and had to learn their stuff. And thankfully they, uh, they weren't as probably as well known as even what you got into. So the, the expectation wasn't that high outside of just some of the band members being like, can you get this closer to what it is? And at a certain point I would get it kind of close. And then similar to what you're saying, I would listen to like a live recording of it and be like, all right, well, I guess I just made this my own. No one complained about it, at least not to me. So I, that's just what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's it. I think it wasn't so much the guys being like, from the get-go, this has to be perfect. But right. I think because they've they've done tours and shows with, with villains, it's like, yeah, this kind of feels a little bit different, but not as cool as it should do. Mm-hmm. So why is that? And usually it's like, just the little the little things really and like you say that the live the live aspect such a big part of the band as well like i think at this point most of it's on click track but there's quite a few songs and sections that are off click right uh, for the band so it's it's getting that push pull that was the hardest thing for me for sure a lot of the a lot of the slower stuff as well was really tough yeah because i just want to push all the time or of course i mean it's as hard as any other band really but it's just about getting into that headspace you know totally. what is it that makes these guys tick and what are they looking for really yeah when did you start playing and did you study at all or are you um, primarily self-taught or uh yeah so i started i started playing drums when i was about nine years old wow just through school they had a drum teacher coming in i know we don't have 
band kind of like marching band stuff like you do in the states mm -hmm. but yeah we had a drum teacher come in so do that kind of in lunch times and stuff and then when i left that school it was something that i really got on with quite well i think it was surprising like i'm kind of just getting this really quickly yeah kind of blistering through songs and things like that i, I was probably rubbish but right. it felt like i was doing really really well <laughs> yeah. um and that in itself was really fun and then kind of getting into nirvana led zeppelin that kind of stuff was a real great inspiration to keep pushing on the drums and then yeah just having having tutors i've, I've had tutors up until i went to a university actually in mm -hmm. in surrey so i guess yeah i guess i've had drum lessons probably until i was about 19 20 so gotcha 10 11 years or so right of, of different different tutors so yeah i should probably be much better thinking about that <laughs> with the amount of amount of tuition i've had but right um, yeah do you and you mentioned that you have a studio now uh is it, but it's like south of london where you live but you get to go out go out and drive your parents crazy all over again after all the years of torture already that's it that's it so the studio the studio is not actually at my parents house it's it's at a friend's house um, gotcha. that we built while i was still living here just to he was getting interested in uh, recording mm -hmm. and producing and things like that. And he did the same. He went to the same uni that I did. Okay. And, you know, grew up and we've been to school together since we were like, yeah, real young. So, yeah, he was getting interested in recording and audio engineering. And I was getting interested in, well, following the following university, getting interested in working and teaching. And, you know, we were no longer... Uh, able to use the facilities at the university to ah. kind of fulfill those desires so yeah we just built a studio space uh from scratch and kind of built a business around that so since moving out i've kind of been coming back and forward so not annoying the parents so much with the drumming but more <laughs> so with just my presence i think you know <laughs> coming back in drinking all their drink and eating all their food and yeah so that's probably the most annoying part. That's hilarious, man. Well, going forward, what does uh, Conjurer have going on? Uh, I know we're kind of getting in towards the tail end of the year here, so sometimes things die out. I feel like a lot of times, you know, stuff uh, tends to go down in the summer, kind of spring, fall, you know, summer, etc. But what's going on with you? Uh, yeah, so we kind of, well, we're, we're in the midst of a few, I guess we call them weekenders. I don't know if you guys call them that. We just do three or four shows across right. the weekend. We just finished up two of those with uh, Music Venues Trust and Kerrang, which is kind of uh, to to get people down to their local venues, kind of independent venue right. kind of stuff to to promote local scenes around the UK. So we were doing smaller smaller cities and towns around the UK than we normally would do, which is really cool. Uh, we've got one more kind of weekender coming up at the end of the end of the month um, across the UK, and then. We're on tour we're back out in Europe uh, across the middle of October with a band called Nostromo. Okay. Some kind of late 90s, early 2000s grindcore band. Oh, wow. Band. All right. Yeah. I, I never, I kind of heard the name, but never really checked it out. And then we got the offer through and their latest record is insane. It's really, really great. So <laughs> nice. if you're into, a friend of mine described it as like, it's like if textures were like extreme grindcore kind of stuff <laughs> okay damn but, um, yeah it's pretty intense yeah and then just kind of dying down we're writing some music trying to get on top of that as soon as possible because 
the difference or the distance between the two albums in the past has been way too long. I think it was about four years before Pathos came out. Right. So we're tr trying to get on top of that for, I don't want to say next year release because we've still got a lot of work to do, mm -hmm. but um, sooner, sooner than the previous one. But yeah. yeah, getting some stuff together for next year. We'd love to come back out to the States. Yes. So it's just about finding the right tour, right tour for that, really. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, bits and pieces kind of coming in, but nothing, nothing's announced yet. We got some stuff confirmed for middle of next year, which is awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, damn, Noah, thanks for, for hanging, man. It was good talking to you. I'm glad we caught up. Definitely, uh, I'll have to keep tabs on if y'all are coming to the States or by all means, if I end up uh, in the UK area, I'll give you a holler. Absolutely, bro. We'll have a pint, a cold pint at that. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, on. All right, Noah. Great to chat to you, man. Appreciate that. All right, man, you too. Take care, dude. All right, everybody, that does it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you all enjoyed the chat. Keep tuning in, and I'll keep the episodes coming. Thanks, Noah and the Conjurer crew. I hope you all can catch them on some of these upcoming dates. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Crash, bang, boom. <laughs>